Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tuesday Toolbox meeting of adult children of alcoholics in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn. My name is Anne. I'm a Tuesday Toolbox member and an adult child. We're recording our speakers every week because we're hoping others will benefit from hearing these stories from our members. We'd love to hear your comments and questions. Our email address is TuesdayToolboxACA at gmail.com. Adult Children of Alcoholics is a 12-step program of recovery for people who grew up in an alcoholic or otherwise dysfunctional home. If you'd like to find a meeting in your area, go to adultchildren.org and click on Find a Meeting. This week, we're hearing from our friend Sydney, who talks about dealing with her inner critic. Please enjoy. Thanks. I'm Sydney. I'm an ACA. I was surprised to get asked to speak. I feel like a, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Um, like such a newcomer at this program, but it like happens to be like exactly a year since I started coming to this Tuesday meeting, which has like really unlocked me in a lot of ways. Who's timing? Can I have a five and a one? Um, so, I've been in recovery in another program for like 22 years, and I basically stopped going to meetings for about 10 years because um, my life got super busy, and I've just been clean for a really long time, but I was like doing other stuff. And one of my closest girlfriends in recovery was like, you have to come to this fucking weird meeting with me. It's, and I was like, whatever, okay, fine. And I was like, what is going on here? Like, I don't understand. I come from like a much more traditional like 12 step kind of thing. I was like, I don't even get it. People aren't even sober. Like, What is this place, you know? But I just listened and um, like I got hooked on it. Like something started to happen for me. And it, it was really like kind of broke the shell on me coming back to meetings like across the board in other fellowships as well. So like I feel really grateful to this program. Um, I haven't worked steps in this program, uh, and I don't have a sponsor, which are all things that I'm really looking forward to. I sort of like got my workbook, and I have like my downloaded red book. I did do a workshop where we did all the steps in one day, which was pretty intense um, and enlightening and a really good experience. But when I was like trying to figure out what I'm going to talk about, I figured I would keep it really simple. And uh, I go to another meeting sometimes on Tuesdays. It's a they just read out of the red book, which is amazing because like you can read two pages out of the book and it's just like I'm fucking done. Like there's so much shit in that book. So it's actually been really nice to like have speaker meetings and also have because I'm not the kind of person that like reads literature in my spare time. Like that's not my thing. So it's kind of and I got forced out of this meeting into the other meeting because I like had a mom responsibility that was like in another neighborhood. But it was just like my higher power wants me to go to this other meeting and then that meeting was really centered on the Red Book. So it just kind of like works the way it works, right? So I just opened the book at the beginning and figured like why not start there? And then uh, I decided to read something out of the doctor's opinion. What results, okay, we have learned several important things. Most families across the world are dysfunctional and that they don't provide and support the healthy needs of their children. 
What results is an interruption in the otherwise normal and healthy neurological and psychological growth and development of the child from birth to adulthood. In order to survive the traumatized child's true self, the child within goes into hiding deep within the unconscious part of its psyche. What emerges is a false self or ego which tries to run the show of our life but is unable to succeed simply because it is a defense mechanism against pain and is not real. Its motives are based more on needing to be right and in control. Like, I'm kind of done. Like, that has been my whole life. Um, what I can share on is, like, the awareness part of, like, my journey here, because that's been, like, the first step for me, is to start to understand how this stuff has been playing out in my life for the past 40 years. And um, every time I leave this meeting, I always say the same thing, like, I literally have this experience sometimes when I'm listening to shares, like, you know those big kid puzzles that have like giant oversized puzzle pieces? Like, I see giant puzzle-sized pieces like floating down when I'm listening to people and like locking into place, like creating this picture of like, what fucking makes sense about why my life has been the way it has and why I've been the way that I have. But it's, there's no new information coming. There's no like hidden memory. There's no thing that I didn't know. They're all things that I already knew from being clean, from being in recovery, from doing a lot of self-help work and having a lot of information. But somehow the context in which those things are connected was, was not creating the same picture that it is now. It's like somehow there is a jumble of that information that is organized in a way that like feels like deep things are shipped inside of me like I I get things on a different level even though they're not new things I, it's kind of hard to explain but what I know is that my life has been run on this false self and The way that this has played out really heavily for me, obviously first in my life, my drug culture and where that took me played a really big part, but there has also been like an addiction to image and career. And I remember in the other fellowship when I got clean and they talked about money, property and prestige and I kind of like heard the words and was just like, yeah, whatever. Um, those are the things that ended up playing out in the rest of my life after I stopped trying to kill myself with drugs. What I realized is that this has all been about this attempt to create a person that's in control and that is kind of like worthy of living. So I became like addicted to my career and my image and at the times when I couldn't lean on that, like, I was suicidal. Like, I don't want to get into stuff that has to do with the other fellowship, but this one thing feels really important for me, and that's that when I, I had a job from a really young age, and I had to get clean. I was, like, risking losing my career when I was, like, younger and, like, strung out. And I got clean on an ultimatum, because they were like, you're going to lose you're, you're going to be fired and you're going to lose this career that you've had if you don't get clean off drugs. 
And I knew that if I lost that thing, that I would never come back. Like, I didn't, I had a very clear sense that I didn't exist as a person that was worth anything without that thing that I was doing in the world. Like, I literally didn't exist. Like, I can't take a breath. Like, I don't deserve to fucking breathe or fucking exist. And it's like, okay for everybody else to kind of have like mundane, normal lives, but that's not okay for me. And I thought that was ambition. I thought like, I'm an ambitious person. Like, that's great. Like, I didn't understand that what that meant is that I fucking hated myself and that I didn't feel like I was worth anything. I grew up, also like don't have any addiction in my family. I have a mother that was like clinically depressed when she was raising me and a father that's like a workaholic. I've never seen either of my parents to this day drunk or out of control. I just had an abusive sibling and nobody to fucking talk to and I was totally isolated as a kid and super lonely, super angry, super depressed and the minute I could start like putting myself in danger, I started doing it like the second I was like able to. And I lived like that through my addiction and I lived like that after my addiction, after I was clean for many, many years. I guess what really like stands out to me is like the lengths that I went to to hide behind this fake self that appeared to be in control and the other thing that really stands out for me is how insanely like warped my relationship with my father has been in terms of my need for his approval, which sounds so fucking cliche, like I don't even want to say it. And it's so funny, I brought a girlfriend to, the, to this meeting one time and she's like, uh, yeah, all the girls are like, talk about their dads and all the guys talk about their moms or something. It was just like, and her thing was with her mom. So she was like, I don't relate. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> my thing's with my mom. I was like, I don't have shit with my mom. Um, like I have a lot of forgiveness for my mother. My mother was traumatized as a child and my mother's, swear to God, most honest way of showing deep love is by being invisible. That's just how she does it. Cause she was so traumatized by her mother being so crazy. And I know that about my mom. Um, and I have really good relationships with all the people in my life, in my family now, which is really weird because it doesn't change. It's like a different set of characters. It's like, thank you. It's like, you know, people play in the play, the on-Broadway version, then they do the film version, you know, and the people that are in the film version now are not the same people that were in the version on Broadway when I was a kid. Um, so I basically just had a super, super critical parent who was my father, and I started to think about, like, having anxiety and, like, waking up with anxiety. And you know, what it means to have a really critical parent and how like, I really learned to not trust myself inside of that. And I also, there was no such thing as like a higher power or any spirituality in my household. So it was like, 
I'm always wrong and I'm always fucking up so I can't trust me and there's no other thing in the universe that I can lean on and there's just this like parent where love is like conditional so I realized that when I wake up in the morning and like and and my house was unsafe because I was being like bullied constantly so like when I wake up in the morning I guess what has changed is that like now when I wake up in the morning like I have this program and I can be like yeah this is like my ACA like I don't feel safe and I feel anxious because like that's what exactly what I was fucking taught like that's exactly what I was fucking taught that I'm doing it wrong there's no nothing supporting me besides this you know and however much money I have in the bank which is like the only fucking god that existed in the family that I grew up in and that love is conditional without getting into a whole thing it's like this whole like financial aspect of like money being a higher power like like I'm in a fucking money program but I started doing that after I came here and like that's fucking related to this like that's been a huge fucking revelation for me and that's why it's like I'm only I, I need to work these programs together because I need to understand how that plays a role how like I can be accepted you know if love is conditional and the condition is money I mean it's just it's all fucked up it's all fucked up I know I'm like all over the place. I feel like I don't even know what I'm saying right now. Um, without having formally worked the steps in this program, there are a few things that have like tools, I guess, that have just been created from being here. I started to really, really become aware of like this insanely judgmental voice that's in my head that is like projected out into the street, just like not even in important situations, just walking down the street and just judging people constantly, like just this ongoing dialogue. And like, I can hear this voice and it's fucking like so mean and harsh. And it's like not a way that I would like speak or like promote, it's just this diarrhea voice that like goes on in the background. And like, now I'm like, I hear that voice. And so it's like, I do this thing now a lot where I'm walking down the street and I hear that voice and then I see myself like, holding my little shoulders and being like, Sydney, like, it's okay. Like, you don't have to do that. Like, I kind of want to cry talking about it. Cause like, that's how I've treated myself. Like that's the source of my pain and my shit and all of the fucked up stuff that I've done to myself has been a result of that voice being directed at me. And my level of judgment to other people is completely and directly proportionate to the level at which I judge myself that way. And it's like this little kid who's just somehow been taught this habit of being completely critical of everybody and everything. So it's like, I literally need to like gently hold that child and just be like, it's cool. And like, I have two daughters, man. Like. It's weird having kids and being in this program if you don't have them. <laughs> Every time you leave this room, you feel like, I don't know if I'm more freaked out I'm fucking my kid's life up right now or like, who am I even thinking about more? It's like. 
So that's been like something that I can actually put into action where I'm trying to be gentle with myself because it's not like it's not the voice of an adult. I have a good friend from another fellowship and like in context of like working on program stuff, like she definitely has a lot, a lot of ACA recovery. We'll be talking about something else and she will just say to me, there is no adult present. And I'm like, ah, I hear that like in my decision making process, like there is no adult present most of the time when I'm not being conscious about it. Or I'll say like when I am running out of fear um, or hiding. And this whole thing about hiding behind the ego, things have been removed from me in the past couple of years that I was hiding behind big time and I kind of knew that I was gonna crash and burn and I knew that I kind of needed to from my own growth even though I like didn't want to like let go of a bunch of material stuff and I didn't want, thank you, to let go of the, the, the ego and the show that was like keeping me safe. I knew that I needed to get to a place where I could like actually not be that kid that went into rehab but like be somebody that like deserves to live like regardless of how much money I have in the bank and regardless of what my job title is and like find the Sydney that is like fucking okay in the world and like worthy of love without those conditions. And that is like a daily project for me. And the answer is totally here. And I, I just have to laugh like really quickly to wrap it up. Like I totally, I got my girlfriend on the phone. I'm like, I made up the coolest thing. I made up this thing where I decided that like my mom and dad are like my higher power and those people that raised me are like just these weird babysitters. They're just these people, like they're just people, they're just babysitters and like nobody really gives a shit about your babysitter, like it's like very temporary, you know? And so I'm just gonna totally change my focus and be like my real mom and dad or like, you know, source, you know, energy and like higher power and then there's just like, I just talk to the babysitters on the phone sometimes. And I thought I was, was really clever because I made this up and then we like met at a meeting and it's like in the reading. You know? <laughs> it's like, your higher power are your parents. And I was like, oh, I thought I like made that up. I was so clever. Um, but I had my own revel, you know, I like whatever, it got in and uh, did its job. So I just like, I'm looking forward to doing a lot of work in this program and um, that's it. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you.